So how do you discover, cultivate, and onboard a new generation of talented workers to serve a profoundly new generation of customers and clients with different expectations and needs and demands? Well, my guest today says that these talented professionals are right here. They're right before us, just waiting to be seen and recognized and hired and onboarded. Just hang tight because I'm talking today with Andrea Gwendolyn. She's the CEO of a powerful new initiative designed to feed the tech talent pipeline with a brilliant new, why didn't I think of that approach? It's David Averin with the Customer Experience Advantage podcast back in 20 seconds. You're listening to the Customer Experience Advantage podcast with David Averin, featuring candid conversations with some of the most influential leaders in business today. Sit back and listen in, or feel free to watch the video version online. This is the Customer Experience Advantage podcast, and here's David Averin. And welcome to the Customer Experience Advantage podcast. My name is David Averin. A really cool show today. You know, depending on when you're watching this or listening to this, of course, we're dealing with big issues with supply chain, huge issues with labor uh, across the board. I guess it's a really good time to be an employee, unless, of course, you are an underrepresented uh, work uh, from from a idea of communities that, that, that really make up what oftentimes is a really good, diverse workforce. Uh, they're overlooked. And while, while employers and others are, are clamoring for talent, so much of it is right here. I'm really excited to have as my guest today, Andrea Gwendelman. Andrea, just a quick background, Andrea. She's, she's got a law degree from Harvard. She's got a master's from MIT, but she has used that in the pursuit of, of helping some of these upper underrepresented populations um, gain employment. I'm not going to say much more because I'm going to let her introduce herself and talk about it. But I think it's such an important subject today when companies are, are clamoring for talent. I think the talent is right here. Andrea, thank you so much for being part of the show today. Thanks for inviting me. It's a pleasure. All right. So, so, so give us a quick background, uh, uh, a little bit about what's, what drives you. Tell me a little bit about your, your background. Clearly, you have uh, a wonderful accent from, from Chile. Uh, tell us about your journey and how you got here. But what I'm really excited uh, to learn about and to share with our audience the, the new approach that you have to recognize this talent that's there, cultivate that talent, and then leverage that talent to, to compete better in the marketplace. Absolutely. Well, just a little bit of background. As we were talking before the, the interview, I, I, I come from Chile, uh, but I was born in the US. Um, and then I, 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 but I, my father was studying and, and I was raised in Chile and I, from a minority, I'm Jewish. And in Chile, that was a minority. So I always have just, just put that in the background. And so when I moved to the United States and I went to Harvard Law School, as you said, and so I was inserted immediately into the meritocracy of this country, right? So I thought that everybody that was smart would go to like an Ivy League school and that was kind of how it was. And then in 2006, I moved to New Mexico with my husband who decided to become a professor. And in New Mexico, I inserted myself very much in the Latino community, uh, Mexican immigrants. And I started meeting because I put my son in, a, in an immersive school and I started seeing all these new, basically the, the kids of, of these immigrants and, and that were starting to go to college and we have discussions about where are you gonna go to college, blah, blah, blah. And so I meet this one girl that is a valedictorian at the, at the New Mexico high school, best grades. She's gonna to go to engineering at UNM, University of New Mexico. And I asked her parents, 
Would you like us to help her get into Stanford? We can write her applications. We can do her personal statement and she will get into Stanford. She's a Latina engineer. And they're like, sure. that. And they talked internally. They get back, they got back to me and they said, there's no way she's gonna leave New Mexico. We want her to be close to us. And that was like an aha moment for me of realizing that this amazing talent that you think that is they're only in these Ivy League schools and these very prestigious schools are not there, not because they couldn't be there. It's just that they chose not for cultural reasons, for many reasons, money, expectations. They stay in their more like traditional state schools in the local communities and they all leave. And so talent really can be found anywhere if you look, but very few people know about this and are willing to look. So that was my kind of aha moment of talent. And so that brought me, when I moved to Boulder in 2015, I, uh, in 2014, I started, uh, my, first, my first startup was called Bivisible Latinx, which was a social network, like a LinkedIn for Latinos. Because my theory was that Latinos were not in LinkedIn and they were certainly under the radar and no one understood their, their value. And it was true, later there was a publication for, uh, that LinkedIn did and actually black Latinos are less likely to be in LinkedIn, much, much less than everybody else. Right, so I've you heard that. find them there. So you had to create other networks to find them. And so that Bivisible Latinx which was my first approach to, you know, let's get these this candidates hired. But at that time, 2015 companies were still, they were willing to a PR. So we ended up with a huge event in San Francisco with Tinder and Spotify and all this incredible Lucasfilm and Pixar all sponsoring. But at the end of the day, very few got hired. So, so that, but let me ask you that. Was that the, the, the intent? Was it to create uh, a network initially to help expose them to some of these business networks? Or was it with an in, expressed intent of let's create exposure for these underrepresented populations for employers who might be looking to uh, expand their workforce? And let me ask you one more question that's probably a, a more pointed question. From the employer's perspective, were they looking for talent or are they looking to check a box, the, the diversity box? Because those are two very different things with very different results. Uh, I love your questions. And the, all this to say is that the landscape has changed tremendously. Sure. So we were talking in 2015 when I started Visible, And the last event we did was 2018. And so I think that there was, a, there was still, the, at that time, 2018, where diversity was becoming more important, but it was still very much a PR effort and right. very much an effort for companies to reach this demographic as consumers, not necessarily as employees. So when we had a huge gathering in San Francisco with all these very successful Latino professionals, and it was more, ah, great, I can sell them our product. And it, it was it's still very important, right? But it was not, I can hire them uh, right now. So I think that has changed tremendously. We're in 2021, almost 2022. And now the focus is on hiring hundred percent. I can tell you that. I know this for a fact. I see that every day. I don't have to explain to companies anymore that this sure. candidate are not, these candidates are not remedial. They used to think that they were remedial. They were like very bo bottom of the barrel and that why would I want them? You know, like sure. I'm, I'm making a charity case for like hiring them. Now. Right, but let me but let me ask a question before we go into your your brilliant approach, and and I and I'm really excited to talk about this. Talk to me about where the recognition really comes in. Is it coming from a place of scarcity that they just need workers, 
and any warm body? Or have they gotten to the point where they recognize this wealth of wisdom and unique life experiences? I mean, even it's, it's I think it's so preposterous that we talk about women as, as a minority or underrepresented when they're the majority of the population. But when you are, are not necessarily disregarding, but when you are um, suffering from a lack of internal perspective coming from, from minority communities and women and LGBTQ and Hispanic and Black and, and, and international, what are companies losing when they have a lot of, of white males in leadership in their organizations and within the rank and file, there's a lot of perspective they're missing, isn't there? A lot. They're missing a lot of perspective. They're, they're, they're missing a, a different way of looking at, at the world, a different way of connecting. Your employees become basically your ambassadors in the community, in the communities where you sell your products, in the community where, where you interact. So they're very, very important. Right, but also uh, your brain trust and your think tank. Your think tank, right? your like business. I, so yes, 100%. I think that in terms of companies, you ask, you know, do they have the change? Have they really realized? And I think there's various layers within companies, as you probably right. know. When you do a sale, let's say, to you sell to a customer, right? You might be talking, you maybe talk to a VP of something, VP of talent. And the VP of talent has like one mandate and babe is coming from the CEO. We need to increase diversity, the competition. We need to get the best talent in the world. Go look for them. I don't know where they are. Go look for them. That's a VP of talent, right? Then you maybe start the VP of talent like tells you, you know, now talk to our recruiters. And maybe the recruiters have different incentives. They want to hire people immediately, right? right. So the whole, so it's, it's interesting in companies. So you, I cannot say that there's, yeah, there's one view that comes from the top, definitely. But sometimes the incentives are a little bit different. And so you have to work with everybody. You have to, A, get them talent ASAP. That's what they want. They're desperate for talent. But two, they, there's a, they know there's a recognition that this is a war for the best talent in the world. world. Go find it where you normally, where your competitors are not finding them. Find every hack. And we are kind of a hack. Finding like diverse talent from places that, you know, they weren't going to go looking at is a hack right now. Okay, so talk to me about the barriers. So clearly for those who are internal, there's sometimes barriers in perception, uh, perception uh, based on accents, language barriers, things like that. But that, but the barrier actually, whoops, hitting my own microphone, the, uh, the barrier starts before, doesn't it? Um, the, the, the hug that you talk about, talk to me about the problem that you solve that some of the biggest companies in the world have quickly embraced um, this yeah. unique solution. So talk to me about the problem first and then talk to me about your solution. Yeah. So the problem basically that we found, so when we're talking to customers after I closed Be Visible and I said like, how do I do this in a way that this, these candidates get hired? What we heard were two, two, two different things. A, I need more candidates, more, more underrepresented candidates. I don't find them. Where are they? One thing. The second problem was like, no, 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 I have them. I actually know how to recruit them. They don't pass my interview. So we're like, ah, okay. So now if we know how to find them, we have done this with the networks, with Be Visible. And now if you can train them to pass your interview, will you hire them? And they're like, yes. So we started doing a pilot with these amazing companies where great, super progressive, Reddit and Airbnb and others that were amazing. Um, and basically we found out that if we train them, 
to pass their interviews with their information, the company giving us information about the interview process, not information that is proprietary, just information like, this is what we ask in the first interview. This is what we ask in the second interview. These are the values that, you know, these are company values. And this is how we ask about them in the interviews and how we measure them. All the, like little, a little information about the interview process and with the job description, we were able to create a curriculum based on that job description with tech and soft skills. We found the interview to offer ratio improves, could improve from 15% up to 80%. Amazing. In the first cut. We also found the network issue we were talking before. Many of these candidates, but because we had created this relationship with the company where we said, you know, they're gonna pass our program and then we're gonna give you the ones that pass. And I'm gonna, we're gonna refer them and we have this connection, social capital also, right? What we were seeing is that many candidates were not even, they were applying to these jobs, but they wouldn't even receive uh, the first ass assessment. That there's in tech jobs, you have to receive a first assessment. Normally sure. it's, a, it's an online assessment called hacker rank. It's like a very basically basic, um, you know, test of your technical skills. Right. But our candidates, many of them had applied to hundred jobs and received zero assessment, even though they have all the qualifications. They had a computer science degree, but yes, they had a different name. Most of them are first generation immigrants from everywhere. I'm talking, I'm talking from Muslim, uh, you know, names that sound Af African. People don't recognize those names. And I don't know, the school. they probably didn't recognize the school they went to. I never hired someone from that school. Why would I take a bet? So okay, so, but, but pause for a second, because this is the part that's fascinating where was where was the, the breakdown from your perspective? And, and you've got an inside look of, of how this works. So when a candidate comes in and an organization through their HR department and they're interviewing them, where was the breakdown? Was it not understanding the questions and, and answering them appropriately, not getting the right documentation in? If they're not making it past the first stage of this recruitment funnel, where was the breakdown? Is it on the, per, the perception of the employer of not recognizing uh, a variety of approaches, or is it the candidate who doesn't understand the process, or is it both? Is it? It's both. So what happens is that um, so first of all, there was the problem of not even receiving an online assessment. So right. take that out, and that's a huge one. Once, let's say that you received the first the online assessment. The problem was that the candidates from underrepresented backgrounds going are going to great schools, but those schools are not necessarily emphasizing the interview process. Those right. schools have professors that are more emphasizing get a master. Those schools have professors that haven't been in industry. Those schools don't have alumni that have been hired at those companies that these candidates are interviewing. Therefore, the intelligence about the interview process, about what do you have to study, how you prepare for that company is not there. In addition, these candidates got their computer science degree, but compared to the more privileged candidates, they're more behind because they maybe started coding when they were 17 or 18, instead of starting coding when they were 11, because maybe they didn't have a computer. So got it's it. just an, if you provide an acceleration, which is what we do in four weeks, you accelerate those, you know, sort of like whatever they're behind and get them to understand how is the interview process, you can increase results dramatically. So you're not just helping them pass the test to get past that because the devil's advocate would say, okay, so you're giving them advanced answers or advanced look at the test so they can answer it better. And all you're doing is masking problems. 
And so you're getting them past the first stage, you get a short term uh, fix for that, but they still have issues once they're employed. You're talking well, about preparing them for not only the interview, preparing them for the job, preparing for that day one. We prepare them for the job because we they get to know the company so intimately that by the time they interview, they know if they're going to be a good fit. Most of the technical things, I mean, these are computer science grads. I mean, they have the chops, right? Sure. Most of those technical skills, they will be able to learn in the, in the, in the job. The most important part is the soft skills and the values. Am I able to communicate well? I'm a team player. Can I say when I don't know something? Can I be part of the team in any way? So those are the things that will, let, will probably like determine your advancement in the company much more than the technical skills that once you pass the initial hurdle, you're basically pre-qualified, you're in. So the, and we have seen incredible results. We started this work three years ago and all of our candidates have been retained at the companies. They're more loyal because they receive this kind of education for free from the employers. But by the way, our program is free, right? To candidates, sure. 100% free. So that means that the employers are making an investment in this pipeline, in this new pipeline. So the the gratitude of an employee that was considered by an employer that never that that no they were not considered before by anyone like them is incredible. What, what I the other thing I like is that it's not just about I mean we hear a lot sort of in the HR world about the importance of onboarding and that first thirty days of somebody feeling that they're prepared and incorporated into the culture of the organization they've got the skills they've got the right internal mentoring but you're talking about moving much farther upstream to onboard before they're on board. And one of the things that I, that I love is, is, is I look at the website and this is at speak.careers for individuals as, uh, as Andrea said that the, uh, for the candidates, this is free. It's the organizations that partner with them to create these programs, these cohorts for them. But on the, on the website at speak.careers, the very first thing your headline is a statement for these candidates. And I love this, it's the most empowering thing. It just says flat out, you are qualified tell me yeah, what I, that does and what well, gives me chills because yeah. because first of all i'm 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 the, the the father of five i have three daughters um and we've tried to raise them from from the beginning to give them sort of this this wherewithal this fortitude that lets them know that that they're qualified for as much as anyone else but you look with some of the other minority communities in your initial conversation about the hispanic community in new mexico that it's not even necessarily part of the culture. Of course, they're so driven by family and others as well. And I love that assertion. You are qualified. Tell me where that came from. You are qualified means that basically that, that comes from just a perception uh, in this community because they have been, you know, denied opportunities because they don't even get the online assessment because they, you know, that they're not qualified, that they have, and there's a lot of imposter syndrome. Maybe the, the first, the first, as you, you're saying you're first generation, they're first generation college students. And they're, you know, like, and they're like, I, there's just like a, a lot of like lack of confidence because they haven't been given so many opportunities. And we're saying, no, you are qualified. Companies want you. You just, we're just gonna teach you to, to speak the language of the company. And to a company, we're telling them, Tell us how to speak your language. Give us information so that we can tell these candidates how you speak your language. It's like a basically ending the information asymmetry. This is all. For some people from more privileged backgrounds, this information is intuitive to them. They're born with them because 
just, they just have networks of people that know about it. And they, they know, like, it's like your parent telling you how to invest. You know, some parents have that information, those jobs, and they will pass it on to their children. This is how you invest in the stock right. market. So, so that, that's the same thing. It's just the, this information is like for some, some, someone like you and me can be so obvious and for other people it's not obvious at all. Right. And so, sure. But for the organizations, their challenge has been certainly finding people, finding qualified. And then when they find them, there's something that derails the process. So you're not only helping the people be prepared for employment, you're screening them, but you're also recruiting, you're filling that pipeline. Yes. And so for the organizations that partner with you, um, there, and admittedly, there may be people within the organization who know that we need to increase these numbers from a PR perspective, we need to check the box. But when they get these candidates vetted, recruited, prepared, um, indoctrinated, and I use that in the best of, of terms, in terms of understanding their culture, and they're onboarded, tell me what you're hearing, what's the most unexpected benefit? of that process from the organization's perspective? Well, first of all, since we're in a customer experience type uh, podcast, and one of the things that really we help companies, if we help them really with time, because this there was a lot of time, there's a lot of time saved that they had to go through scheme and resumes and don't recognize talent. So they were missing people, so missing, losing money, right? So losing time or doing bad interviews, and that was the time of the of the senior engineer. So there's a lot of time saving that we're doing. So they're happy with that. They love sure. time saving. The second thing is that we provide a better employer experience vis-a-vis -vis the candidates. So the the candidates now have this amazing employer employer experience that started way before the actual interview where they get all this information from the companies. Sometimes we have ask me anything sessions with these companies. We kind of insert into the world of the company before the interview. The employer experience becomes a huge thing because if you had a great experience with the company, guess what? You're gonna get another offer. These are competitive candidates. And who are you gonna go with? Right. The one you had the better experience with, right? Because it was like, oh, I, I get this company, you know the people that are gonna be hiring there. Um, and so once they get in, what these companies are so excited because they also hire more than one. So they hire them, in, they graduate in cohorts and they hire them in cohorts. So therefore within the company, they become this kind of little world or ambassadors for other underrepresented talent. They would be so grateful. They put in LinkedIn, we, I got hired at Amazon. My first job is amazing. And so everybody else starts asking them, ah, how do you get that job? And can I work there? So they, they become huge brand ambassadors for the company, right? And, and they're, they're, they're loyal and they're part of a group and they don't feel alone. They're not isolated because they, they're hired you know, in, in little groups. Yeah, you know, I was I was watching the other day um, the uh, Lin Manuel Miranda, uh, the the Broadway show that they made a movie uh, in the Heights that he did before Hamilton, and one of the really interesting storylines within that is the young woman whose family scraped everything together. She went off to Stanford and then came home because she didn't have a community, she didn't have others like her, and so exactly. I love the idea so within right. within organizations of, you know, it's beyond the skill sets. There's a lot of people who have skill sets and they're coming from all over the world, but not a lot of, of schools 
teach the interview process, teach yes. what it's like to be successful within the organization. So this has got to be a win-win-win across the board. 100%. That that movie nailed it, actually. That is a excellent, thank you for bringing that up. That movie nailed it. Because what happens to her, she goes to this amazing school, right? And she feels isolated and therefore she cannot perform. Therefore the school loses an incredible talent the country loses. Incredibly, you know, imagine we lose that talent for not getting to the best that she could get. So that's right. exactly and, and, and it's somebody who qualified from the from the from the 100 qualified. So let, let's go beyond it now. Let's talk about people, organizations who are benefiting from a more diverse workforce, not just in terms of being able to access talent um, that that certainly is worldwide in different skill sets. But talk to me about about perspective about wisdom from unique life experiences for those from those overseas and those who grew up in America but with a very different experience, a very different world, whether they're LGBTQ, whether they are um, underrepresented minorities, or even as you said, Jewish, which isn't necessarily seen as a, as a disadvantaged uh, minority in America, but it's a different experience. Different Talk experience. to me about that, how, how that benefits organizations in terms of their brain trust, their creativity, their product development, but also their connection to a diverse and increasingly diverse customer and client base. So you know that 48% uh, of Generation Z right now is from under, is basically a minority, right? So it's just, we're talking about 19 years old, they're all really underrepresented candidates, if you think about it. They're all the kids of immigrants, Latinos, mostly Latinos, Black, and then other, other immigrants. So we're talking, that is the generation that you want to basically sell to, that you want to be able to uh, sell, recruit, that you will need to have as a customer for you, that you will need them to be rich or with wealthy enough so that they can consume your products, right? So this is so important, the economic empowerment of, of this group of people through better education, through better jobs, will ensure that you as a company will have a reliable customer base that you can continue to sell your products to. And how you talk to them is critical. For example, I give you an example. We, in 2018, we did this career fair uh, because we knew the career fair was, was going to be completely different if it was for underrepresented talent, that no. So we, what, how was the career fair? It had a music festival, it had dancing, it had salsa, it had, you know, like all sorts of like, rap, uh, you know. Yeah. It had like silent disco. There were three music bands. There was music. There were workshops with employers, right? It's a completely different career fair. It was so successful. We received, there were articles about it all over the place because what, this is different. The way the customer experience in this case, trying to get them as, as employees or whatever, or getting your brand out was completely different from what you will do in a typical career fair. Um, talk, talk to me about, about perspective because here, here's sort of where I come from as well is, is recognizing the world has changed. Customers have changed, right? We can call it the new normal, the new next, the, the touchless tomorrow. But being really well tapped into how people buy, having a diverse workforce affords you that as well. I mean, I think in, in many ways we talked, you know, in, in my time growing up about, you know, for, for 200 years about the melting pot that is America. And now I think we're seeing the melting person. I think we are seeing individuals with, 
with a, an Ethiopian father and a, and, a, and a Swedish mother and and a melding of, of so many of that, that rich tapestry within individuals. And from that comes a unique life experience. So not just in terms of recruiting customers and clients or recruiting employees, but in terms of understanding a different mindset and what we've come to expect in terms of access and, and immediacy and, and cultural sensitivity in the, in the marketing process and the product development, I think this, and I'm getting on my soap, op, soap op box because, because I believe this so strongly, but I think companies who, who recognize and tap into a process like yours are really future-proofing their business. They are, they are, and, and this, this population is, uh, basically they're different, okay? They're, for example, they're very social impact oriented. They care about social mission of companies. That's the first thing they ask us about a company. They care about money for sure. Think about it like they probably have student debt or whatever, so money is important. But impact, you would never think that that was so important to the population that, that you know, this is the first generation. They, this population, for example, how you talk to them eventually, how you do marketing, like for example, for the Latino community, they like a little bit of the Spanish words pepper into a, some message, but not all in Spanish because they're Americans, but they like the recognition of some Spanish pepperoni too. So if you can talk to them like that, or just start with hola and everything else in English, but like, and saludos, so with one word in Spanish, that immediately creates trust. I think that creating the trust with this community, so that there is, uh, you know, there's lack of trust in that these companies care about them and these companies really wanted to hire them right. and the companies. So I think that trust will translate into so many other things that uh, an employee becomes an ambassador, provides new insights on the business, um, leads an employee resource group that leads to more business creation, more connections with the community. We hear all the time right now, and I think you, you're probably aware of this, that businesses have to create communities and community-based growth and communities, communities, communities. How would you create like authentic communities within for business and for the, the customers if you don't have people representing the, those communities that we serve? Right. Well, and it's more than, and it's not just a seat at the table. It's a voice in the conversation. It's a role in the decision-making yeah. as Absolutely. part of this as well. And so even we look at, because I, I got five kids between 18 and 27 years old right now, and authenticity is such an important part of it. And sometimes they'll hire the, this advertising agency that will try to mimic what the kids are doing, as opposed to having internal voices who are helping you create that messaging and the delivery mechanisms, whether it's a TikTok or Instagram. And it's not about being hip and current. And now it's about being authentic. And how can you be authentic if your workforce doesn't represent your marketplace? Then you're in a bubble. And you'll stay in that bubble and you basically will have no information about what's going on. Right. An antiquated bubble, an outdated bubble. bubble. Look how much has changed just in the in the two years since COVID. I think in many ways we have accelerated what's long been predicted about how we're going to do business. We've accelerated. I was at a conference, you know, we're talking 10 years worth of technology within six months because we had to. And so I think this is, as we had talked initially in the, in the conversation about whether it's a PR thing, whether we're checking a box, I think they're recognizing more and more that this isn't something that, uh, that they need to do because of a public perception. They need to do because they're going to make their business better. And because, the, look, the war on talent is so fierce right now. Right. And what 
what is the top of mind of every CEO in the country right now? I want the best talent in the world because the best talent in the world guarantees that you, you will beat the competition, you will stay alive. So tell me where I'm gonna find the best talent in the world. Tell me what am I, can I do different from my competitors because that will be, give me an advantage. And that's gonna, that's basically that you can solve that problem. We think we can solve a huge problem for companies right now. Absolutely. Listen, this is, this is exciting for me. I mean, it's not only about finding the right talent, but it's about giving them the best chance to succeed, right? Once again, as the website says, you are qualified. It starts, it starts right there with the candidate to, to help them dream of something bigger. They've got the skill sets to make it happen. If uh, we're talking to Andrea Gwendelman from Speak, if they need to get in touch with you, if an organization says, I would love to bring this system into my organization, I would love to have you help us uh, recruit and pre-qualify and prepare candidates for us, how would they get in touch with you? Well, you can go to our website or email me at Andrea at speak.careers. Okay, speak.careers. Is it www.speak.careers? Sometimes it's different. You can, speak just speak. You can just put speak.careers. Speak. Oh, you can also find me on LinkedIn, Andrea Gendelman. I'm there. I am very available. <laughs> Outstanding. Um, last question. Put on your uh, put on your, your Swami hat. Take out your crystal ball. Give me a prediction for five years from now, 10 years from now, what, what are we learning in this process? And do you see a lot of other organizations adopting a similar methodology? So in the future, what we're gonna see is that companies, so we are using the cohort-based program uh, model, which is basically have trained people in cohorts instead of like self-learning, you know, creating community. We're gonna see more companies adopt this uh, cohort-based methodology for onboarding, for, for upskilling, for many things within the company. So there's going to be a lot of employer branded cohort-based programs. So that's that's one trend that I see. I see also companies uh, that will be basically farming out or um, subcontracting many phases of the interview process to, to others. Like in, in our case, we maybe are gonna do the first screening for every company. We're gonna do like parts of the interview process that now are, part, are all part of a company will be delegated to be, make up a better employee experience. Um, and I really think that it's gonna be a global, this is gonna be a global movement. Uh, uh, best talent will be found anywhere. There's gonna be relaxing of all the sponsorship requirements and visa requirements. I think you'll see that very soon. What, do, do you see also that the um, the rise in um, hybrid models, uh, virtual um, contributing yeah. to this as well? A hundred percent, but even more fully remote. So you can get the best, 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 best talent in the world. Proximity doesn't matter. Fully remote and get the best talent from Mexico, from Chile, from Argentina, from anywhere where you can find them. And um, that will want to work for you. And uh, yeah, you'll have to just be very, very, very creative. Outstanding. This is awesome. Very cool stuff. Big thanks to my guest, Andrea Gwendelman, CEO of Speak. Uh, she, she's an ambassador. She is an advocate. And, uh, and I think she's got a, a really brilliant solution. And some of the biggest companies in the world are already jumping on board. So we'll check back in later to see uh, how this has grown in the future. Hang on with us. I want to talk to you when we are done off the air. Um, you know, some of the... Uh, uh, some of the most innovative solutions to your biggest customer facing challenges are likely found within the creative minds of your own 
people. Let me contribute to your morning huddle conversation with your team. You can learn more about membership in our powerful initiative called the Customer Experience Advantage Morning Huddle by visiting customerexperienceadvantage.com. Of course, all my books are available on Amazon. My, it's their strategically located here next to my head. For those of you watching the video version as well, be sure to click to like this podcast, subscribe, leave your comments below, click the little bell icon to receive notifications of new episodes. And you can learn more about my keynote speaking and my consulting at davidavarin.com. Thanks for tuning in. This is the Customer Experience Advantage podcast. Check out past episodes, leave a comment. Big thanks to my guest, Andrew Gwendolman. David Avern, thanks. Have a great day. This has been the Customer Experience Advantage Podcast with David Averin. Feel free to leave a comment and be sure to hit the thumbs up button. You can listen to past episodes and be notified of future ones by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. David's popular marketing and customer experience books are available in print as well as Kindle and audiobook and published in multiple languages around the world. You can stay connected and learn more at davidaverin.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.